Welcome to Sports 56 Happy Hour with Johnny Radio. This hour is brought to you by Scooters Plus on Summer Avenue. Now, here's your host, Johnny Radio himself, John Harden. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome into a little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy Johnny Radio. Jay Morgan Harder's in the house. And I'm fired up because we got a little little baseball today. You know the playoffs start. We've got bets. I've been looking at these four series, well, for a little bit, man. A lot yesterday, this morning, hardcore. I think I figured out the winners. We're going to make some money. We're talking MLB playoffs. I'm extremely excited about this. Um, I think it's a great opportunity to make some money, and I'm going to give you uh, all my picks here probably in just about six minutes in the first segment, tell you why I like each team, and I'm going to pick the series. We're also going to talk a ton of NFL action. Week four is in the books. What have we learned? Justin Herbert's got a broken finger. Eagles are good. 49ers are good. Cowboys are good over in the NFC. Kansas City still does its thing. We got a lot of stuff. And we also got to talk about the worst teams in the NFL. Like, I was looking at that. That's a hard, that's a hard pick. I mean, you got the Bears, you got Bears Carolina, you got Denver, who gave up 70. The only team they beat was the Bears. But you have the Giants, who can't score at all. I mean, but, but, John, they haven't lost since Sean Payton cut his sleeves off. So they're undefeated since Sean Payton cut his sleeves off. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. No, and they were down, what was it, 27 to nothing or whatever it was when he cut his sleeves off and they came back and won the game. So it really comes down to, John, they're a different football team when Sean Payton cuts his sleeves off his jacket. That's, That's hard-hitting analysis. You're not going to get anywhere else, folks, and it's the only analysis that matters. I love it. I love it. i got to say I love it. I also got to talk a whole lot of college football. You know that. We got David Cobb from CBSSports.com at 1130 today. He's coming on. We got to talk about is Bama back. Uh, can you believe the Ole Miss LSU game? You think more about LSU, uh, how bad that defense is, or are you giving a little more credit for Ole Miss getting up off the mat after having one of the most horrible offensive performances ever in Tuscaloosa to go home in front of a record crowd and get that huge dub and come back in the fourth quarter from down nine? Really impressive win by Lane. In the gang, so uh, I also think that an element outside of the game was more important or was more uh, interesting than the game, the Ole Miss LSU game. It was the kid storming the field. I think that was the most interesting part of that football game, John. You got the kid climbing up the uh, the the field goal post. I mean, he got a good. I mean, he got halfway up the damn thing. You see him? He was he was crawling it like the army. You remember when you had to climb a rope? For the presidential physical fitness test back in school, that's how he was climbing one of the uprights of the field goal post. And then the other drunk idiot kid, when he was sprinting down the field to talk mess to one of the LSU players, and he just sees a security guard coming at him, and his eyes got so big when he when he found out that he was about to find out. Oh man! And then after the after the security guard and the player were a safe distance away, he decided to yell more obscenities at them. I, I love a good field storming. You really see the most drunk college behavior when kids storm the field. It's excellent stuff. It was it was great stuff, man. Uh, it's going to cost the the university a hundred thousand dollars, but it's money well spent. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure, the night was great. 
Oof. Money well spent. That kid could have died. Which one? The I, kid. The kid that got hit by the security guard. Thank God the security guard hit him because the, the LSU player would have done a lot worse than an elbow to the throat. I'll tell you. Well, LSU's already got two losses on the season. They got to get off the mat. They have to go now. Go to Missouri, who's still five and zero. People, yes, Missouri is five and zero. Kentucky is five and zero, and Georgia's five and zero. The three undefeated teams in the SEC. So that's a pretty big one. We also got the Red River Shootout, man. You know the Red River rivalry. You know what I'm talking about. Oklahoma, Texas. I think that's also huge. So we're going to talk with David Cobb at 11:30. We're going to get all up in a little bit of college football now. Jay Morgan, hey Jay. are you fired up for some baseball today? I am. You know, I've been betting all morning. I was watching tennis in Beijing. I won one hundred and twenty dollars this morning. Not the th- I, I don't know your bankroll as much as I know mine, but we were hitting some bets this morning. Well, good job because you really screwed the pooch on convincing me to almost take the Giants. See John, see John, that's not very accountable of you to hey, blame hey, it hey, all on me. Here's the, here's the way I here's here's what I like to say. Listen, you give the advice. Um, if you listen to people's advice and they're good, that's great. Yeah, I think I'm done. You, you got some good advice. I think I'm uh, done. You want a little bit of money. If you lose, you can't blame nobody else because you're the one who pulls the trigger. Well, hey, yeah, absolutely. But I think. But I'm, the thing is, is I was smart enough. You know what I did? I actually got a great talking from Chas last night. A little hedge action? Because I was like analyzing the game and I'm sitting here talking out my bets because, you know, I walk around in oh. pace and just talk out oh, loud. Oh, you got to talk out your bets, Joe. And she's like, you know, you had a really good weekend. You're about to go out of town. Why don't you just enjoy the game? Petty play, I'll tell and you. And I'm like, man, no, no, no. You know, I started going in, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll do a little in, in-game in play, maybe. And she's like, yeah, do that. Never ended up playing anything. But I was cursing you a little bit because I was like, I knew the Giants were terrible. Yeah. I knew it. I think I'm done with the Brian Dayball expecting them to do something. That defense, I mean, that was the worst defense performance I've ever seen, John. What did I tell you? And by the way, it's not even just that. You know, I actually felt sorry because you know how I killed Danny Dimes all the time, you right? You did. That guy was doing everything he could out there, man. But let me just tell you a little something. I actually feel bad for Danny Dimes. Do you know that he was sacked 10 times last night? Yeah, he was doing everything he could, man. Do you know that there hadn't been double-digit sacks on one quarterback since you go back to 2018 when it was Marcus Mariota with the Titans in 2018? Think about that. No, I, be- I believe that one. That was a bad year. And, you know, sadly, uh, right now, Danny Dimes is on pace to have 93-and-a-half sacks this season, which would shatter the record held by David Carr of 76 back in 2002. i tell you what. I mean, between the two of them, I'm not sure which offensive line is worse right now, if it's the Steelers or the Giants. Obviously, the Giants. Seattle has been a- is averaging two sacks a game yeah, no, and got is- 10 last night that- on the JM Giants offensive line, which I told you is the worst in football. I- maybe, I- maybe Carolina. The Giants and Carolina are Ooh, fighting Steelers. for the worst offensive line. Steelers up there, Steelers too. is up there, too. That's a great point. Uh, but, but Damn, that, we got some bad offensive oh, lines. No doubt. And we talked about this yesterday. The thing that sold us, or at least in in the room here, what sold us the most was looking at the statistics for Seattle's defense and just how atrocious they've been all year. Yep. And it speaks to how bad the Giants' O-line is, the fact that they were be able to get to the quarterback 10 times yesterday. As much as you talk about Evan Neal, I couldn't help but just watch him get destroyed he yesterday. Was, he was ho- – John, he's the like, worst offensive lineman I've ever seen so in my life. freaking bad. You know what's crazy? Even you know what's crazy? People defend him. SEC homers defend him. But, I mean, people defend this idiot. This guy's terrible. He went to an SEC school. He went to Alabama, Alabama or something like that. That's what I thought. All these SEC homers defending Evan Neal like he's not a piece Alabama's of crap. Alabama's got a big one this weekend. It gets A&M down at uh, College Station. 
Oh, going on the road, what a tough look that's going to be. Oh, man, can you imagine? Can you imagine if they go into uh, College Station and lose to Jimbo? Oh, all hell's going to break loose, John. Uh, it would be very bad for Alabama. The line's only two and a half. Did you know that? Who are they daring us to take? Man, they're daring you to take. It seems like, go ahead, take Alabama, only having to win by a field goal to Kyle Field. Oh, so they're daring me to take Alabama? So it sounds like I'm taking Texas A&M in this game. No, I don't know what we're doing, man. It's too early. we got to talk to David Cobb. Oh, we got to talk to Cobb. Okay? we got to right. talk to David Cobb. we got to get a little point. expert. Plus, we got the Kentucky-Georgia game again. we got NFL to talk about. we got college football. We've got a huge show for you, and I'm stoked. But, but Jay... We got to get to our what I what I need to talk about oh, right baseball now. Baseball plays. I got to talk about this. I, I got to have this. I need this, and I'm going to start off with the Rays and the Texas Rangers. I'm looking at this bad boy, and it just keeps coming to one simple thing. Both teams, you like have to understand. The Rays had it though very early in the season. They lost a ton of pitch, and the Rays did. But you know what? They kept winning, and they win at home. And let's be real, Yandy Diaz and Randy Arozarena in the postseason should strike fear in anybody, especially this Rangers team whose bullpen has become straight up trash. Does a Roldis Chapman strike fear in anybody out there anymore? Or can you not see this guy giving up just some bombs? To Randy Arozarena. He had like a 60-day stretch this year where he was really good, John. Yes, and that was earlier, and he's been terrible yeah. ever since. He's and so is Will stretch. Smith. Um, they've just gone south. Like, it, that that bullpen, You do, do you trust Kevin Cash's bunch or Bruce Bochy's? I'm going with Kevin Cash. I love Bruce Bochy. Don't get me wrong. He's got a lot out of some bullpens in the past, but this bullpen is terrible. What should alarm you is that Jordan Montgomery, who was a trade deadline acquisition for the Rangers, is starting on the mound today. Now, he's been good. He's been good. But that that should alarm you about what Hey, that's scary. Especially at the series price probably in good. Has Nathan Evaldi been good, though, since the All-Star break? Not really. He ain't the same Nathan Evaldi. You lose Max Scherzer. I just feel like... I feel like the Rangers are just snake-bitten, and this Rays team just does what they do at home inside of Tropicana. They're going to get a Yan- – I mean, Yandy Diaz, is he not – I mean, what is he? The, he's the AL batting champion. Does all of his – I mean, he's nasty. Randy Rosarena, postseason superstar. Like, I don't know, man. I just have this in my chest feeling like Kevin Cash is going to get the most out of this lineup. I like their pitching better than I like the Rangers. I like the bullpen much better. How about this? Basically, that's why I'm leaning right now. i got to take the Rays in this series. This doesn't mean a lot. This is just the beginning stages of handicapping this game. But how about this? Jordan Montgomery, because he's start- terrible. No, he's been pretty good, man. He's been Yeah, but he's still Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, he was, he's been good all year. He's good for the Cardinals, too. He was he's their- going to revert to the Yankee he was their- Jordan Montgomery. He was their best pitcher all year. And I'll tell you this, too. Hadn't faced Tampa all year. Oh really? Because of his nice played, little nugget right there. Played the whole year with the uh, with the Cardinals, and then since the trade deadline, he hasn't pitched against Tampa. It's the first time seeing him this year. But he, like you just said, he used to play for the Yankees. He played in their division, so I'm sure there's plenty of familiarity between these two guys. And um, let's you know again. God, this bullpen for the Rangers Dang, again. Montgomery. Now, how about this? Tyler Glass now had a horrible month of September. He allowed his yeah, last. Yeah, but it's October now, brother. Well, his last start at. Every pitch just means more. His last. Well, I'm just giving stats here, John. I'm not telling you which way to bet. <laughs> I'm done. His, last, his last start at Boston was really good. He went five full, two hits. But before that, four earned runs and five and a third, six earned runs and four, 
four earned runs in six full, one earned run in six, not bad, and then four earned runs through seven. So he had a rough month. They've given up runs almost a five ERA in the month of September. Compare that to Jordan Montgomery that had his worst month all year with a 3-2 in September. And his last five starts have been unbelievable. He's been he's been shutting teams down, including Seattle chasing a wild card spot, pitched against them twice the last two games of the year, only give up one earned run in 13 combined innings. Rangers snake bitten. Yeah, I don't trust the Rangers. Forty and forty one on the road. But Rays yeah. at home fifty three and twenty eight. And again, five hundred foot walk off home run off a of Rollers Chapman in game one just propels the Tampa Bay Rays to get this into. There could be some pitcher props here though that you could definitely take. I mean, Jordan Montgomery's been consistent enough that you could feel safe not back picking a winner one way or another if you feel confident about the numbers. I like I, just said. I like Diaz to score a run. It minus I you gotta pay a little juice, but I looked at this early. I mean he's batting what he batted what three sixty eight his on base percentage, the way I mean I mean this dude gets on base at an insane clip. The people behind him move him. You have to think pay like minus 130, I believe, for him to score a run today. I love that prop play right there. Let's see. I'm pulling up Yandy's game logs here. In the month of September, this guy was a runs machine, John. He's a runs freaking machine. 16 times he scored in... I can't do the math on all these games, but let's say, what, 20 games in the month of September? Probably somewhere around 20, 16 runs in 20 games. That's pretty good odds right there. Yeah, Hit I like Hit 350 it. in the month of September as well, so you know this guy's probably going to be on base enough times to get around. I like it. I think that's a great prop in the first game. That's the 2 o'clock game, people, today on ABC. It's the Rangers, the Rays, Montgomery starting for Texas, Glasnow for Tampa Bay. I'm, I'm, I'm liking the Rays for one reason. I trust Kevin Cash late in ball games going to his bullpen where I do not trust the Rangers bullpen at all and there's always some type of magic at the trop in the postseason again I can see Diaz I can see a Rosarena doing something crazy I like the Rays today that 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 number wouldn't be minus 150 for nothing you know what I'm saying I don't know it's baseball it is baseball. Sometimes it's minus one fifty for nothing. I, I can't bet on full games one way or another because you just have to take. Too I many. like this series though for the Rays for sure. Oh, that's what the series price is. No, no, no. I, I, I don't remember right now because I'm in front no of worries. me. I'm but I do. Right I did take the series. The Rays for the series. I tell you what, if you want to bet against a team, I mean, Ben, you like if you're the Rays and you lost Scherzer and then you lost also to Grom early in the season, and, you, and, and Evaldi ain't been what he is of late, and you're starting Jordan Montgomery, who yes has had a good one, but this is the postseason. This is high pressure. Uh, this is a Rays team that can hit. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, man. It's just it's different in the postseason, my man. Oh, it's different in the postseason, John. If we could stay in the state of Florida and go to the Miami Marlins playing against the Phillies, although they're playing in Philadelphia today, but nonetheless, Marlins against the Phillies. The Marlins man, got that went. By the way, can I just say something? Phillies, 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 yeah. Phillies, Phillies. So that's Phillies. what I was gonna say. So Lazardo's on the mound today. He hadn't been great on the road, but he's been really good all year. Uh, but they're without Sandy and Yuri Perez the entire playoffs here. So they're the te- so shorthanded. Yeah, it's the, not even funny. So the team that made the playoffs is not the one that's going to be playing. I, it's probably a steep price, but if there's like the most sure thing that you can bet on in my mind, it would Phillies. be that the Marlins don't win the series. So if you could take the series price on the Phillies, if you can afford it, I think you're probably going to s- sneak away with a win there pretty easily. I like that one as well. Um, by the way, don't forget Blue Jays and Twins. This one has been the hardest one for me to pick. Um, hey, that I makes love, it the best one to play today, John. Listen, I love the one-two punch of Pablo Lopez 
and my man, Mr. Sonny Gray. Like, that is a nasty one, too. And the Twins, by the way, did you know, had like the second highest scoring offense since the break? Yeah, but they're streaky. As but they hell, are streaky. Man. Out. The issue with the Twins also is his Buxton and Correa and um, Royce Lewis, are they going to be healthy? I mean, the health with the Twins is always a complete issue with them. You're not sure about anything. But, but this Blue Jays team, man, I don't know, man. Like, Outside of Bo Bichette, I just don't feel like they're just playing that good of baseball. Minnesota at home with Lopez. I know Gosman's been good. I kind of like the one-two punch. I'm leaning twins. Am I crazy in this one? No, John, I don't think you are. I'm sorry. I'm looking at all these different prices you can do. You know, every nerfy is is a minus money today. Every nerfy. No, there's, postseason baseball, it, baby. A, No one thinks there's going to be a – someone's going to score a run here. If you can pick out the game that there's going to be a Yurfi in, maybe D-backs and Brewers could be it. You know what? Maybe Marlins and Phillies could be it. If you can find yourself a Yurfi today, you have, Man, that's I don't plus know. money. Lizardo and Wheeler. Mm. Yeah, Lizardo on the road, though. I mean, if you look at his numbers, Lizardo's really good all year, but – Tell you what, Lazardo on the road. You know what we can look at? Let's look at how these teams pitch against hitting against lefties. Well, it's just also only think one team could score in the first, and that's definitely the Phillies, because I just don't think the Marlins have a chance to get one off of Zach Wheeler in the first. Yeah, but talk it's about, like you're going for one about team. You got game. one damn team that can like you know, you instead of six outs like you normally get for a, a Yurfi. Talk about streaky. Basically get three homes. But he's been really good. He's on a good streak. So I guess being streaky doesn't help you when you're you're you're, you're on a good streak, right? He's rolling right now. Rolling, man. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Um, But, man, got to get to it because I got David Cobb coming up at 1130. But I also wanted to tell you or ask you at least uh, if you looked at the Brewers one. No, I, I was just kind of. I'm just kind of talking through it right now. I'm actually John handicapping live on the radio with you right now, and I'm loving every minute of it, brother. Brewers, do you know that they're the second worst team in all of baseball at stopping people from basically running buck naked all over the bases on you? Really? Yeah, they are horrible at throwing out runners. Guess who's really, really good at stealing bases? Who's that, John? Uh, his name would be Corbin Carroll. He's going to be the rookie of the year. The fastest man alive, I've, I've um, Super, super fast dude. And he's going to be running all over the damn bases. Brewers, I thought to myself, man, I know they got a weak lineup, but they got one like unbelievable pitch. And when you can go Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and then, of course, you have Freddie Peralta as your three. That's great. But guess what? Freddie's now your number two. Why? Because Brandon Woodruff has hurt his shoulder. He's not pitching in this series. Yes, you got the advantage in game one with Burns. But this Diamondback team, man, plus, by the way, right now, you can get the Diamondbacks plus 160. I'm sorry. I got to take a feisty little team that can get all on the bases and just run wild. And then you got a Milwaukee Brewers lineup that is so dead gum flaccid. It's not even funny. They won't even do Viagra commercials in their park. That's your Yurfi there, John. That's your Yurfi. The Diamondbacks. D-backs and and Brewers. Getting on Burns in the first. Don't you think? And and it could go either way. It could go either way. But the Brewers, man, that lineup's weak weak sauce. But if they're going to do it, might as well do it in the first against that. uh, Who's that guy pitching for Arizona? What's his name? Fat? Yeah, Fat. And it's not Ho-Yi Fat either. No, Brandon Fat. 
That's right. Uh, John, how about the – got some more stats for you as I'm continuing to handicap here. I'm looking at last month in the baseball season. I'm looking at teams, how they're hitting the baseball. The Blue Jays had the seventh-worst batting average in baseball in the last month. The Phillies, the 12th worst. The Diamondbacks, the 10th worst. I think those are the only teams we're concerned about today mm. in terms of on the bottom. On the other side – um, and let's look at best here. Rays, eighth best in baseball. Brewers, seventh best in baseball. That's a Yerfee. That's why it's a Yerfee right there. there there's your Yerfee. Wow. I think that's a Yerfee. I like it. I don't know how many more times I can say Six Yerfee. o'clock on ESPN2, Diamondbacks and the Brewers. Wild card game one, fired up. It's Fat versus Burns. I think Milwaukee, uh, I like the Diamondbacks today. In fact, I mean, sadly... And that's the other reason why I like the Twins. It's just like I'm sitting here keeping my fingers crossed those that their guys are healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah, Twins have been hitting the baseball too. It just said, let's look. Yeah, at, they, they uh, were their second since the All Star break. They've been actually tearing the cover. They were terrible in the first two months of the season. Over four, you can get minus one hundred five in the first five for D backs and Brewers. I don't know if that over four. Say that again. Over four minus one hundred five for the first five of D backs and Brewers. Um, four and a half, you can get at really good money there if that's something you like. John, I have always been an under guy in the postseason. Okay, this, how about this one? Scared. Arizona first five is plus one sixty five, just money line. So you get a tie there too. I like that. That's really good odds there. Even better odds than taking it for the whole game. If you really like fat a lot and don't trust Corbin Burns, first five money line might be your play. I like that. Man, we are talking a little baseball again because the playoffs are here. It's October. Uh, 2 o'clock is the first one with the Rangers and the Rays. 3.30 on ESPN. You have the Blue Jays and the Twins. 6 o'clock, the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. And the nightcap is the Marlins and the Phillies at 7 o'clock. We've been talking a lot of baseball, but we got to switch gears up here. we got to talk a little college football with David Cobb on the other side. But i got to remind you about Scooters Plus. Right now, they are open into their large showroom over there, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., Monday through Saturday. Head over there. They have an inventory blowout special. Everything is on sale. They're at 3425 Summer Avenue. Plus, you can also put 25% down on a purchase for a little bit of, you know, leave that bad boy up there for layaway. Pay on it. For your Christmas present, they got ATVs, UTVs, side-by-side, street bikes, dirt bikes, um, but those little, uh, e-bikes, man. They even got e-bikes. They got everything, man. They got dune buggies. If it's got wheels and a, and an engine and goes, they got it at Scooters Plus. Again, the largest showroom, nine to six, Monday through Saturday. Check out all the inventory at scootersplus.us. Head on over there for parts, repairs, sales, and service. Scooters Plus. Back into Shakes talking with David Cobb, Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now, back to Sports 56 Happy Hour with Johnny Radio. This hour is brought to you by Scooters Plus on Summer Avenue. Here once again is Johnny Radio. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up that easy. No, he won't have it. He knows his whole back 
to these ropes. It don't matter. He's dope. He knows that, but he's broke. He's so Welcome back to a Little Sports 56 Happy Hour. I'm your buddy, Johnny Radio. Jay Morgan Hart is on the other side, and it is time to talk with David Cobb from CBSSports.com. DC, tell me, man, how's life treating you? Man, I'm, I'm doing good. Hey, you know, uh, back in the central time zone, uh, we're in Nashville now, the next stop on the journey. So uh, got to come through the 901 a little bit uh, last week and now uh, living life in the mid-state uh, for the foreseeable future. So all good over here. Loved this past Saturday of college football. It didn't look like the best slate on paper, but it delivered the goods. It did deliver the goods. Um, there's so much to talk about in college football, but first I have to warn you, and I want you to be very careful, okay? Because you know that Nashville is now the bachelorette party of the like entire United States. They have more bachelorette parties come to Nashville than anywhere else, so be careful. I stay on town, too. Thanks our our corporate housing faces inward and not like out to the street so uh you know the the noise isn't like wafting in at all hours uh but if you suddenly decided you want to come visit i wouldn't be surprised uh given that fact it's kind of like it might be your vibe don't worry i'm gonna be hitting you up i promise david (laughs) i can promise you that now i gotta get over here and talk about the sec because i think this is hilarious we're only two games in for most teams in conference play Everybody, though, in the West on the season has already has at least one loss. And the three undefeated teams are over in the East, and it's Kentucky, Missouri, and, of course, Georgia. Um, This year, the SEC is an absolute cluster. Do you think Kentucky maybe wants to hear a final season with division? Back to the team. Uh-oh, hold up. Uh, Hold up. I can't hear David. Can you hear him? Yeah, can you really not hear him? No, it's like uh, cutting in and out. And I'm not. David, are you there? Okay. Pull up the thing and do the little callback. The thing's not working right now. Just get a little bit better connection, homie. But yeah, talking about the SEC, it's absolutely wild. Big games in the Southeastern Conference this weekend. Of course, everybody knows, uh, is Nick Saban going to lose to Jimbo Fisher again. He, oh, I hope not. Um, he'd be a little bit upset. Alabama, however, only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. So some wild lines going on, a lot of crazy storylines. What's up, D.C.? Yo, you got me? Man, I got you, homie. Uh, okay, well, I was posing you this question, okay? Is there a case to be made that the balance of power in the SEC here in this final season with division? That it may be uh, going back into the favor of the SEC East. I'm just saying for the for the sake of debate, like the SEC West has always been the better division, at least for the last several years. Is the East uh, could the East claim that this year that it's the uh, the better division? I don't know if it can do it. It's it's weird that you know through the you know five weeks of football we got uh, you know the three five and zero teams are Missouri, Kentucky, and the Bulldogs. I believe in Kentucky. When you run rough shot on the Gators like they did last week, that was absolutely wild. Cohen's back. The offense looks better. Stoops has been there forever. Um, he knows how to coach. They what they do is they have a big big offensive line. They got a big old defensive line. Number zero, that big three hundred fifty pound dude. They got. I mean, they're big down in the trenches. They're physical, and now they get the Bulldogs. I believe in them. I'm not so sure about Missouri. Uh, I don't believe in Tennessee. Vandy, for sure not. Gamecocks, no. And the Gators, are you kidding me? After seeing that, (laughs) no. But they are, I believe, top-heavy. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting debate because of what you mentioned with the SEC West and the bell cows of that of that division already having losses. LSU with two losses. That division is going to be crazy going to the finish this year. I still think Alabama has at least one more loss up its sleeve somewhere along the way. Mm-hmm. And LSU, we could be talking about them uh, towards the end of the season as another two or three loss team that has a shot to win the division. And heck, I, I personally, I think it'd be great uh, for the sport for college football to see Ole Miss uh, win or oh at least gosh. through the division. Can you imagine if going into the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss still had a shot at the SEC West and and it's not crazy to, to consider that because uh, they, they got business done against LSU. And so that victory sort of keeps them in the mix, especially when you see the flaws that the other teams in the, in the division have. So uh, we're sitting here with Texas A&M in pole position in the SEC West. And uh, that's a team that has a banged-up starting quarterback and took a pretty bad L uh, earlier this year against Jay Morgan's Miami Hurricanes. So uh, – yeah, it's interesting. This this uh, this league is not as good on the whole as it's been in years past, but uh, it's still a and maybe more so than ever an intriguing conference in terms of who's actually going to uh, come out of the West and Georgia looking like a team that has some flaws and, and some things to figure out as well. Well, um, I just got to go back to that old Miss game. That was uh, LSU. That was nuts. I mean, fifty five forty nine. Um, LSU had a nine-point lead. They couldn't close the door. They couldn't get it done. Judkins carried the ball 33 times, rushed for 177 yards on LSU's defense. Does um, it say more about Ole Miss's offense, or are you kind of freaked out and shocked how bad LSU's defense is played early <laughs> in the season? And also, David, I want to know if you've ever climbed up the goalpost that way. <laughs> I've never climbed a, a set of goalposts. Uh, one, when I was a student at Tennessee, there was no victories uh, worth rushing the field for. Also, I was in the press box, so uh, I've, I've never climbed a set of, of goalposts. I don't blame the Ole Miss fans for rushing the field, though, because the narrative all week was how Lane Kiffin had never won the big game. Well, all of a sudden, they, they beat the reigning SEC West champions, a, a top-15 team. With and, a 21.4th quarter, which probably brought I mean, it just made it more bananas. Yeah, exactly. I think the nature of the victory justifies the reaction. Because mm-hmm. if you beat LSU by 28 points, you don't rush the field. Or if it's a 17-10 to 10 game without a whole lot of late action or drama, then you don't rush the field. But when you win what has to be among the most high-scoring regulation games of SEC history, then I think it justifies it. So I, I didn't have a problem with that, that field rushing at all. It was interesting though, though, seeing those students try to get over the uh, like the barriers because th- that was a pretty big jump. Like some of these stadiums, it's like a just a little a little hop down hop over it. a few hedges. That was yeah. no, that's a serious jump. Yeah, you, you um you needed to do some hamstring stretches before you made that leap at Vault Hemingway because uh, that looked like a pretty long way down. Uh, but I'm sure they were infused by a lot of adrenaline and some other substances. So uh, anyway, they. they yeah, that that the performance itself was as as damning of a of a defensive effort on LSU's part as you could possibly imagine, mm-hmm. because that that Ole Miss offense had struggled to run the football against pretty much everybody else of any any repute on their schedule, and then all of a sudden LSU comes to town and Quinshawn Judkins uh, gets it going. Mainly because Hell, the offense. Bentley ran, rushed for 90 yards. They were, I mean, think about this. Ole Miss rushed on LSU. They had 317 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. And that opened up the, the passing game for Jackson Dart because LSU had to, to load up the box a little bit more. 
to stop the run and they had to respect the run. You know, Kiffin is going to, and this game was the perfect example, Kiffin's not going to go through an entire season with a, a lackluster offense, even if, even if they're banged up. Uh, he is an, uh, an offensive guru to the degree that he is going to figure out something that works. And he kind of reminds me of Hugh Freeze in that way. You, you look at the Auburn-Georgia game, and Hugh Freeze piecemealing together an offensive game plan that had Georgia on its toes, even though there was a clear talent differential between the two teams. And good offensive coaches can scheme their way to minimizing a, a talent deficiency. And that's what Hugh Freeze is. That's what Lane Kiffin is. And so even with um, some disappointment leading into that game offensively for Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin was able to scheme uh, an offensive game plan uh, that worked quite effectively. And so to me, that's the value in Lane Kiffin is uh, the offensive offensive prowess that he brings to the sideline. And uh, that came through in a big way for the Rebs. I will say also, though, man, um, both teams need to really work on them secondaries. I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. there, there was some open wide receivers running around. I mean, Trey Harris back, being back healthy and having their tight end kid priest Horm, get Franklin's coming back. Uh, Judkins is much more healthy. Yeah, Ole Miss offense obviously looks a little bit better, but like, I'm like thinking about LSU in that second quarter, I mean, that uh, second half against Florida State when their wide receivers went absolutely ham. You look at Ole Miss's wide receivers running around wide open all over the place. I look at what KJ Jefferson was able to do, and Arkansas has been bad this year. And they went toe to toe with LSU, and it took a Jaden Daniels performance that was just off the damn charts for them to escape with a home victory over the Razorbacks. This LSU team, though, who could be there at the end right now, Brian Kelly's team is not living up to expectations, and I feel like it's solely on the defensive shoulders. Yeah, this is the peril of relying on transfers in the secondary. And that's what Ole Miss and LSU are doing. LSU also has injuries in the secondary. And really, the entire Ole Miss defense is a patchwork of transfers. 18 transfers, I believe, is what they said. Yes, it's it's significantly more transfers on the field on most downs than returning players. So it's... uh, uh, you, you see the the problems with that when you've got returning starting quarterbacks like Jackson Dart or like a Jaden Daniels, and they're they know what they want to do, they know how to exploit opponents, and then you've got a, a defense that doesn't have chemistry, and it just leads to these these bananas types of games. So that that's that's an issue. That's something where you kind of feel like Alabama and Texas A and M have a leg up defensively because uh, there's continuity there. Uh, Not breaking uh, down. And the secondaries were breaking down so bad. It it would like for both of those teams, uh, Saturday night, it was wild. Right, right. And, you know, look, Alabama didn't have its best best showing against Texas, and they got beat over the top a couple of times. But uh, they've made strides, I believe. And then A&M, we'll see. We'll see if they've made strides because they got torched by Miami. (laughs) And they haven't really had to play. Are they better with Max Johnson? Do you think uh, they look a little bit different for some reason? Connor Wegman, extremely talented young man, did nothing wrong. I mean, threw for like 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, only had two picks. But it's like weird. With Max Johnson, it just seems like this team kind of is running a little more smooth. I don't think they're better, but I don't think the drop-off from Wegman to Max Johnson is all that significant. Uh, I will say Max Johnson made a couple of pretty bad mistakes 
in the Arkansas game and got away with them. He had a a bubble screen that was picked off and and returned for a a pick-six touchdown that let Arkansas back in the game. Really a a horrendous play. I don't know who the fault goes to on that one. I mean, it's a routine throw, uh, but it didn't look like they were on the same page. So it was probably more of a communication thing than an execution thing. But, I mean, my man threw the ball right to an Arkansas defender who ran it back for six. And then later on in the game, he was running, and he, and he had a, a fumble that that kind of let Arkansas hang around for for a, for a little bit. So, I mean, those, I think about those two miscues, and I kind of dock Mac Johnson a little bit for for those errors. But in terms of backup quarterbacks in the SEC, there aren't many better than Mac Johnson. In fact, you know, this is a guy who played big games at LSU, who's been in action before at A and M, who always just seems to kind of get thrust into the mix. Uh, midway through the season because of an injury, and he would be a starting quarterback at, at many schools in the SEC. So the, the, the drop-off is not severe when, when they have to go to, uh, from Wegman to Max Johnson. So that's, that, that works in Texas A&M's favor quite a bit. Do you think DJ Durkin's got his defense back, or is it just the fact that you know you got Arkansas after a heartbreaking loss with LSU? It didn't seem like KJ Jefferson really had it last Saturday when they played Auburn. I mean, I thought Peyton Thorne and um, my little Robbie Ashford, like neither one of them looked like they were a college quarterback in that football mm-hmm. game. But I mean, again, they gave up forty-eight to Miami. Um, right? Is this is DJ Durkin's defense back? Are they ready for Alabama? And do you think Alabama and Tommy Reese have finally figured it out? No, I don't think Alabama and Tommy Reese have finally figured it out. But like you've been saying all along, Johnny, I think they, they kind of know what works for Milro now. And so instead of trying to pigeonhole him into a system that Tommy Reese is comfortable with, they're creating a system that Jalen Milro can actually thrive in. And that's that's going to be essential if they want to have a shot against A&M. Uh, and you know, A&M's defense is good but i'm not ready to call it great because of the miami performance and uh fact is arkansas doesn't really have a whole lot other than kj jefferson right now because the offensive line can't block anyone and so yeah you've got raheem sanders at running back uh but if the run blocking isn't there as we've seen with Ole miss prior to the lsu game doesn't matter if you have quince john judkins it wouldn't matter if you had terrell davis or herschel walker back there if you can't block anybody uh life is going to be really difficult for those guys so i i, I feel like the alabama texas a&m game is going to be on the low scoring side because i don't fully trust milro to go out there and put up 30 and i think alabama's defense is is solid enough to keep texas a&m um down as well so could be a somewhat of a defensive struggle in, in this game and uh you know, I, I think in the end you probably lean towards Alabama there, but um, that's, it's 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 probably the marquee game of the weekend. I mean, it's it's uh, it's going to be a good one. All right, also got to do one more in the SEC before I move over to the Red River rivalry. Kentucky, do they have a shot heading down to the uh, heading down to Athens to play number one Georgia? Because I'll tell you one thing, they looked real good last week. And you you know Georgia, it just feels like that offense. I don't know, man, just something's missing in that defense. Sure as hell ain't the defense that they were last year. Right. Yeah, the Georgia still has stuff to figure out. I think we're we're going too hard on Kentucky right now in terms of reading into the way they played against Florida and how that might translate to Georgia. I don't know that, that Kentucky's going to be able to line up and play bully ball with Ray Davis against Georgia like they did against Florida. I mean, that man just torched Florida. Uh, I don't know that Georgia's 
defense is, is torchable in, in, the, in the same capacity. So here, here's something crazy that I, that I did mention yesterday when I was talking with, with Bryant and Stats is that Georgia's now 0-5 against the spread. That's got to change eventually. That, that, there's no way that they continue to, um, to win without covering. And, and that, that line, that last check, was only around 14 points. And I think I think Georgia can cover that. They can lean on Kentucky. Fourteen and a half currently. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the wise among us got it at fourteen. Is it kind of like Tennessee? How last year they came in high as all high on their horse, and then man, Georgia just bully whipped them. Yeah, absolutely. So this Kentucky team is trending in the right direction. And Devin but, Leary, let's be honest, he hadn't been what I expected. Right. Their their receivers have been a little bit of a disappointment. Leary's completions a lot of this stuff is coming on on quick throws i mean getting it out one second after the snap and just kind of letting his guys go to work but you know they're gonna have to hit some downfield shots against georgia to have a chance because georgia's gonna be able to load the box and take away ray davis certainly better than florida did and uh so no i don't really give kentucky much of a chance in this game but if georgia continues to start slow they will get beaten eventually uh they will take a loss somewhere along the way you can't continue to start slow and have to come back from a double digit deficit every week and not get picked off at some point so georgia's at risk i just don't know that kentucky has the firepower maybe to to be the team to to knock them off notre dame man their schedule looked rough at the beginning of the season uh now after you realize they had to go and play game day in durham against the duke team that's feisty as all get out and another game that you kind of thought was a little bit of patty cake game and you're now playing the 25th ranked team in the country in 5-0 and louisville on the road notre dame still got some gas in the tank i, I think so I, I think they're a really tough football team i think their offensive and defensive line that the, the combination of the two is is up there among the five or six best in the country uh, combined on both sides of the football. And they, they don't have elite skill talent at wide receiver. They don't have elite playmakers in the secondary, maybe. Uh, but they got a really good quarterback who led an incredible uh, game saving drive against, against dude, That was dude. crazy, man. That fourth and that 16. That fourth and run 16, was, man. Are you kidding me? I freaked out. That was huge and that was a program victory for them off the emotional letdown of of ohio state but look i mean hey look man the case here for louisville is that two weeks in a row now notre dame has had to fight tooth and nail down to the end uh against really good teams and now you get uh, a louisville team riding high you know maybe you know maybe there maybe the gas is not in the tank you know for notre dame but you know this this louisville team is kind of coasted here on the back of a really easy schedule and this is their toughest opponent yet so i like the fighting irish here in fact i wouldn't be shocked if if we look up in november and notre dame's still sitting there with one loss i mean that notre dame usc game is going to be huge uh and could determine which of those teams remains a factor in the playoff hunt down the stretch but i don't see the fighting irish having any trouble with louisville and i think a lot of that you can credit to uh, the type of team that they've become with Sam Hartman at quarterback. He he can save a game. He can elevate He doesn't them. turn the ball over, but the one thing that I always feel is some re- Marcus Freeman. I mean, he was up 14 other He plays everything so close to the vest. They he keeps every, he keeps the other team in games because they don't take any chances. 
Yeah, but they can really lean on you. I was yeah, back can. In the third quarter against Ohio State, man. They went on consecutive touchdown drives of 65-plus yards. I think it was 66 and 80 yards. And that Ohio State defense Still can't believe they lost that game, though. My man who had the interception in his hand, and then you had 10 players on the field. That that was one of the craziest games. I felt bad for all those fans who were just stunned in silence. Yeah. But you put that Notre Dame offense up against a a Louisville defense that isn't special, and they can – Estimate's going to run downhill. Yeah, they, they can get estimate 150 yards on the ground. They can have Sam Hartman hitting the tight end over the middle and uh, just kind of engineering their way to a, a forceful forceful showing there. And Louisville is um, they're doing what they what they can with what they got offensively. And when you got Jeff Brom as your coach and a, and a veteran quarterback and Jack Plummer who knows that system, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna scheme their way into Notre Dame territory a few times in this game. But uh, I, I think. I think that what's going to happen is, is Louisville's going to end up picking some field goals. They're not going to be able to get the football across the goal line against Notre Dame. And we look up in the second half, I wouldn't be shocked if Notre Dame has a, a 30 to 10 lead uh, because of some of those dynamics. Man, the wildest game, man, the one I can't figure out this week. Texas six point favorite over Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. Uh, both offense have been scoring. Texas defense looks really good. Who you like? I don't think I like Texas here. Uh, Oklahoma. To me, I'm a little worried about their defense. Even though they've had some really good games uh, defensively, like against Cincinnati, uh, they showed in the first half against Iowa State this past week that they're, they are vulnerable. Iowa State is a bad offensive football team and put up 20 uh, on them in the first half and had something like 250 total yards. Now, Oklahoma got it together in the second half, but now you upgrade uh, the quality of the opponent to a Texas, a team that just put up 600-plus yards against Kansas, and I think the the Oklahoma defense, there's a chance it could be exploited. Uh, Brent Venables makes this interesting, though, because they've made strides defensively under Brent Venables uh, since the Alex Grinch and Lincoln Riley days, but are they to a point where they're ready to hold down an offense as explosive as Texas? I'm not convinced of that. So, uh, you know, that puts pressure on Dylan Gabriel and the Oklahoma offense that keep up. Uh, I don't, I'm not ruling out an Oklahoma uh, victory here. I'm not saying that Oklahoma can't cover or contend. I just don't know if I trust the defense yet to hold Texas down for four quarters in a game of this magnitude. See, I'm, 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 I gotta, like, I'm really feeling like I'm going to load up on Texas this week. And for me, the reason I like Texas so much is the defense. Oklahoma really hadn't played, I feel like, anybody – but, man, my goodness, that Texas Longhorn defense does not give anything up. They are physical. They're athletic. Their defensive front is nasty. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, I feel like Dylan Gabriel is going to be in a little bit of trouble. Well, they've got all the pieces. But think about the, the performance against Kansas. While encouraging, it did come against Kansas's backup quarterback. Cause True. Because Jalen Daniels didn't play in that game. And Jason Bean is a good backup, but he's not as, as good as Jalen Daniels. And, and when they got Alabama – Alabama was didn't know what it was doing. It didn't know left from right, and Jalen Milrow kind of gift wrapped that game with a couple of boneheaded interceptions. So I don't know that Dylan Gabriel is going to do that. So, I mean, I guess what I'm talking myself into here is, is maybe an over on a point total that I'm sure is quite high already. Uh, but but it, it'll be an explosive game and a high scoring game uh, in all likelihood. I just when I remember watching that Cincinnati game, uh, I think like two weeks ago. 
and I was so not impressed with Oklahoma during that football game. Uh, I guess it just kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, well, Cincinnati just uh, – Oklahoma played the type of game it had to to win a game on the road in the league, and that was the defense uh, keeping keeping Cincinnati out of the end zone. Cincinnati went for it on a bunch of fourth downs mm-hmm. and, and couldn't convert, and they ended up with only six points in the game as a result. So it was a bent-but-don't-break type of performance, and that's actually – Something I kind of like about Oklahoma is their ability to adapt based on the style of game that's being played. And I think that's the advantage of having two really good coordinators on that staff and Jeff Levy on the offensive side and and Brent Venables on on the defensive side because they can kind of collude and collaborate to shift the game plan as needed based on the the type of opponent and the, the situation of the game. Whereas you, you see other teams that run that type of system, like Tennessee and Josh Heifel, really they only know one gear, and that's full speed ahead. And uh, you start racking up three and outs on offense, and, and all of a sudden you put your defense in a bad spot. I think Oklahoma can kind of shift who they are based on the situation. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be enough to get them a win against Texas, but it's something to, you know, that maybe works in their favor as they try to get back to a, a Big 12 championship game. What you working on at CBSSports.com this week? Well, I just filed the bottom 25 for this week. So uh got a couple of Pac-12 teams in the bottom 25. They're really top-heavy. they got some great teams at the top. But uh, ooh, uh, the bottom of that league is, is pretty bad, too. So uh, bottom 25 will be live uh, here in a few minutes. Last question for you. Who's the best quarterback in the Pac? Well, uh, Bo Nix or Cam Ward would probably be my pick at the moment, but you can't sleep on Michael Penix. I'm just a little worried about the fact that they had to struggle against Arizona. Me I too. Mean, come on. That was really? crazy. Yeah, uh, Shadour had a nice game against USC. Golly, Caleb Williams. I mean, I, 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 mean, I don't even know. How do you pick? How do you pick a best right now? I don't know, so man. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. In the swan song of the pack, they got the best damn quarterbacks everywhere, man. David, uh-huh. be blessed. Read his work at CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at David W. Cobb and listen to him right here every Tuesday. Enjoy Nashville, brother. I'll be seeing you soon. All right, man. Thanks. All right. Now, we're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be back in two shakes. Don't forget, we still got to talk with Zach Boyd. We got NFL. We got baseball bets and some more college football. Sports 5698.5 FM.